and becomes strong? The, it becomes covered over. Oh, the limited light goes into a strong vessel so that the, the vessel is able to handle the light while at the same time channeling the light into the world in a way that the creations don't feel overwhelmed by the light. Okay. Okay, is the recording? Okay. <coughs> All right, let's go inside. Page 12 at the top. And therefore, we need, it's necessary, it's necessary to have hechalot, to have these chambers and these sefirot, to hide and conceal Hashem's infinite light, because the creations down here are so limited, we cannot handle an infinite amount of light, and so the hechalot come, they channel this light in a way that we can receive it. And we know that the world of Atzilut is the beginning of where the Orot lights went into Kalim, the different vessels. The difference between Atzilut and the rest of the worlds is that the vessels in Atzilut are so infinite that they actually are transparent and they just channel the light. They don't actually block it. But then once you get into world of Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, these vessels become stronger and stronger and stronger through many tzimtzumim. The light becomes lesser and lesser and lesser to the point now that the, the um, vessel actually covers over the light. It doesn't channel it like it did originally. It just it actually blocks it. Okay. So unlike in the created worlds where the hechalot hide the light from being revealed, in Atzilut, the kalim of the sefirot channel the light into specific revelations as opposed to a simple, indivisible light. So they are breaking up the light into Chochmah and Bina and Das, etc., which is already a change in how it was in Hashem's simplistic infinity before Atzilut, but the vessels are not actually covering over and blocking the light. They're just channeling it into different directions. However, it is somewhat limited by the Kalim. This is very different from the created worlds where the light is truly hidden. So this concealment continues through many, many orders of descent until the point to the point that a physical heaven and a physical earth were created. Where we can't see the truth of God at all. Because we feel independent and separate beings from Hashem. And this is referred to as the other side. Anything that covers over the truth of Hashem, that blocks over the truth and says, I exist on my own, is considered the other side, the Sitra Achra. <coughs> okay. So they appear as something other than Hashem's light and power, when in truth there is nothing other or separate from Hashem. The Zeo Inyan Neshama Olam Hazeh. This is the reason why the godly soul descends into this world, Hashafel Dafka, this lowly world. A descent for the purpose of an ascent, as we discussed, that even though the neshama starts off in a very high spiritual place, when it comes down and it reveals the light that's hidden, it actually ends up being in an even higher place. Why? I do think that we did read this inside, by the way, but it's okay. From what I remember, but it could be wrong. In order to subdue and subjugate and bend anything that conceals Hashem, through abstaining from doing bad things, and through this, oh, we did not read this yet. Okay, you guys, right. Um, the light, through this, the light of Hashem will be sent away, in th- will be, not sent away, will, will um, spread throughout all of the worlds. So I want to discuss this for a moment now, because now we're getting a little bit practical. Now that we've understood how 
we've come to be and that there's an advantage for the soul to come down here and specifically deal with the physicality. What happens, firstly, when we abstain from doing bad things, when we don't do Aveyas, when we don't give in to the Sitra Akhra? And then the next thing we're going to discuss is what happens when we do Asay Tov, when we do, um, when we do positive mitzvahs. You guys are familiar with the two, you know, there's two categories of mitzvahs, 365, do not, right? Prohibitions, negative mitzvahs, and um, 248 positive mitzvahs. And they can be divided into these two categories of surmera. Staying away from bad, right? Which is not an action, it's rather like an avoidance of an action. And asetov, which is practical action, doing good things. So the first thing that we need to understand, which starts to explain here in the Maimar, is what happens when we don't give in to bad things? What happens when we do surmera? Okay? Surmera means, sur means to turn, mera from, turn away from evil. What happens when there's a, a test in front of us? Uh, desire in front of us that's, that's trying to lead us to something that we're not allowed to do, and we say no. What happens? What happens spiritually? And then what happens to us? That's so, question. that's a question. Yeah, it's not explicitly asked that way. In the Mimer, it starts to already caveat into it straight away, saying, now that we've understood about the lights and the vessels, this is what happens to the lights and the vessels when we do Sormera. So, first of all, we need to understand a little bit about what the Sitra Achra is, right? So, we, dis we discussed that it's light of Hashem that's been so condensed and concealed by the vessels through an infinite amount of tzimtzumim, of contractions, again and again and again, to the point that something either, either physical in front of us or a temptation, right, an emotional temptation, etc., exists and feels extremely real. So, so Sitra Achra, which we call Klipa, right? <coughs> klipa means a shell, something that covers over the truth. It covers over the truth of Hashem. The Klipa, Sitra Achra is, is Klipa, yeah. yeah. It's anything that doesn't outwardly express the truth of Hashem, which is most of what we experience here. But does Sitra Achra necessarily mean that it's bad? Because there's like, there's Klipa Snoga, right? Where it's like kind of like... Right, so, right. so there, are, there are levels within Klipa, right? Mm -hmm. Um, although in the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe basically makes the radical, um, I'll say radical because it wasn't something that was accepted at the time at all, um, statement that anything that's not holy is the other side. So Klippus Noga means either you can make it holy and then it's totally holy yeah. or you can make it evil and then it's totally evil until you release it from the evil, yeah. which is, which is a pretty dramatic statement that many of them have very much opposed. Um, but this is the way that Kabbalah and the secrets of the Torah, the sod element of Torah, and Hasidus sees the world, basically black or white. There are, there's a gray area that can either become black or white depending on what you choose. Mm -hmm. But once you make a choice, it goes from one to the other, right? And we can switch darkness into light and take light and make darkness. Um, these things can happen. But anything that's sitrachra means anything that's not obviously expressing the truth that Hashem that, that, Hashem, that Hashem is Hashem. So a Sefer Torah is Kedusha, is holy. But anything else around us is considered Sitra Akhra. The moment we reveal the truth of that which is around us, then it can become holy. But until we've done that, it's considered the other side. But uh, there are definitely levels within Klippa. But within Klippa, we have, we have, we're supposed to avoid the negative aspect of the Klippa. And, and if it's Klippa Snoika, we need to extract it. the truth and the goodness from it. So the question is, what happens when we do that? What happens when we surmera, when we abstain from giving in to the klipa? So again, back to what is klipa? What is klipa? What is it? 
What is anything that is covering over the truth of Hashem? What is it in, at its core? I mean, everything is goodness in its core, so we can't tell that it's something bad. What is it at its core? What's bringing it into being? What allows it to exist? Hashem, right? Right? So, klipa around us doesn't actually exist, right? Because everything is Hashem. It doesn't exist as its own true entity. Because what is the truth of it? What is it really? It's Hashem. If you get down to the core of what it really is, it's Hashem. It doesn't exist on its own, right? Which is why we say that um, the Nefesh of Bahamas has, you guys learned the five levels of the soul, Nefesh, Ruch, Neshama, Chaya, doesn't have Yechida. Because what's the Yechida? What's the essence of the Nefesh of Bahamas? Yechida. Yechida, Hashem, right? The godly soul is also an extension of that Yechida. The, and everything, if you go back to its core, what's giving it life, what's its truth, it's Hashem. But what's the job of Klippa? To convince you that it's an entity on its own, that it's real, and that it's very important. That it's very important. But it doesn't actually contain any substance whatsoever. And kind of like the shell of a fruit. The shell of the fruit is just there for the fruit. It doesn't have a, f- a function of its own. It's not like once you, you know, w- once you take the fruit out, you throw the shell away. It doesn't, it doesn't or maybe you put it back in the earth for compost or something. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's there to serve the fruit. It's not its own thing. But somehow Klippa comes and it comes to convince us that it's actually its own thing, people, that it's real. But people make stuff out of the shells, though. Like they make, like, zen. I don't know, like, they're not the orange, like, with the peel. Like, people make things out of the peel. So, that, no, that's a good point. So, so Hasidah speaks about that. Actually speaks about the process of, like, compost, right? Of taking, um, that, the fact that we take shells, we take um, useless things, we take dead leaves, right? dead leaves, useless peels from vegetables and fruit, etc., and we put them back into the earth and we reuse them. That's the idea of klipasnoiga, that the klipasnoiga is kind of useless, but then we can take certain aspects of it, repurpose it, and make it something good. And then a new tree and fruit can grow out of it. Um, so that's klipasnoiga. But let's speak a moment for about gimel klipasatmeas, something that's completely asur, right? Something that's not allowed. It doesn't truly exist as its own thing because everything is Hashem. But it's there to tell you, I exist, I am real, and you want me. The power, the only truth that exists within Klippa is its power to convince you that it's necessary and that it's important. That's it. That's what Klippa is. It's a, it's a powerful convincer, I guess there's a better word, power, powerful persuader to convince you that it's real and that it's true and that it's important. And the moment, the moment you don't believe that, it ceases to exist. Because that's all it is. That's all Klippa is. It's something that says, I exist, I'm important, you need me, you want me right now. And that's it. That's why very often when we do give in to temptations that we weren't supposed to, the moment that we are no longer engaging in that, we regret it. We look back and we say, like, sometimes really a moment later, like, why did I do that? Because all that existed were, there was the power on, of the convincing, the power of the allure. And so it builds itself up, and we build that up in our mind, like, oh, my gosh, this is so alluring. This is so temp- tempting. I can't say no to this. So then we give into it, and then the moment we give into it, we're like, why did I do that? 
because then we realize this is, there's no substance here, there's no truth here, there's nothing real here. The only thing that's real about it is its power to convince you that it's real. And the moment you take away the power of the klipa to convince you that it's real, it ceases to be. It literally loses itself. Which is why it's very interesting. You could think, why did Hashem put certain things into the world and say, don't touch that, ever? Asur. Asur means it's tied down. It's tied down so deeply to the negative energies. You have no capacity whatsoever to redeem it. Don't touch it. Why would Hashem put it here? Like, what's, why would, what's the point? <coughs> why not just not create kosher? But you could say to give us free choice, right? You could say that that's one of the reasons. It is to give us free choice. But what's happening? What's happening when we say no to these things? It's a mitzvah to say no to non-kosher food. It's a mitzvah. It's a sormera, right? What's happening when I say no? I haven't done anything. I didn't eat the food. I didn't taste the food. I didn't smell. I didn't do an action. All I did was I said, no, no, not for me. I don't, I don't do that. I don't eat that. What's happening? What's happening is that we're breaking the power of the klipa because the, the only truth, so to speak, the only presence and reality that the klipa has is its power to convince you that it's real because it's not really real. And so the, because again, it's not really an independent being. There's nothing that's independent of Hashem. But the moment you say, I don't, I don't believe this, I'm not giving into this, it literally breaks that klipa. So it's getting elevated. By you saying no to certain things that you're not allowed to engage in, you are elevating that thing. Which is why, have I ever spoken to you about the Chet Eitz Sadas, the story of the, of the eating from the tree, the difference of Adam and Chava before? Right? We spoke about that, that Adam and Chava before they ate from the tree, Basically, they were told just don't, don't touch this tree and do mitzvahs, eat from these trees. And they said, okay, there was, no, there was no such thing as engaging with the negativity at all. Have we discussed this? There was no such thing with, with engaging with negativity at all. I might have brought it up, right? Oh, maybe it was in the summer? Maybe. Um, but the idea there is very interesting. And Adam said, no, 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 I want to engage directly with the I want to see what I'm fighting. Because the idea was that the moment, every moment that he said, and he only had three hours, by the way, Adam and Chava had three hours from when they were commanded not to eat from the tree until when Mashiach was supposed to come. Shabbos was supposed to come. Mashiach, that was supposed to be the ultimate Shabbos, the everlasting Shabbos. So Adam's job was to say no to the tree he wasn't supposed to eat from and to do mitzvahs, to eat fruit from the other trees. That's it. And by him saying no to that tree, he was literally just bringing Mashiach. Every single time he did a mitzvah, he was not feeding what was going on in the basement. Basically, the lowest world that we exist in today, there were no people here before the sin. There was just demons and negative, very negative energies and and things we're not supposed to touch. And the original plan was, Adam and Chava, you're going to do mitzvahs. Eat, what was their mitzvah? Eat fruit. Hashem told them, eat fruit. That's a commandment. That's a mitzvah. That's how you connect to Hashem. And you're not going to eat from this tree. And every single time you do mitzvahs and you don't give in to the temptation of the one thing I told you not to do, the klippas in the basement just die because you're not giving in to them. You're not feeding them. What, did, what does klippa feed off of? Our energy, our life force, and our holiness. The moment we give a part of that to the negative energies, it gives it more life, it makes it more powerful, and its, it's power of persuasion becomes stronger. But why would Hashem create it if He intended it to die? Why would Hashem create it? Because if He intended it to die. 
Well, then we could go back to the story of Tohu, that within the lowest things are the highest potentials. And so when they lose their form and cease to exist, the truth that's truly trapped inside can be released. So the ultimate levels of Tohu that were, you know, that they were hidden in the basement, okay? And every single time Adam and Chava didn't give in to the temptation and they did mitzvahs, the clippers just lost more and more and more energy. They weren't able to feed off of anything negative. They weren't able to feed off of sin. And they slowly died until the Nachash crept up from the underworld, right? And he crept up from that basement and he introduced himself to Adam and Chava and he convinced them to sin. And the moment he did that, he gave such a power to the lower worlds. Hashem actually said, I'm going to drop you down. You're going to leave Ganeid and you are going to now go live in this lowest... What does is, what is, um, the Tanya call this world? Olam HaShafel... Olam HaShafel V'Atachton She'en... I'm not quoting it correctly. She'en... Something like that. There is nothing lower than this world. That's it. Like this, this is the underworld where we are right now, which is why, which is why we are confronting challenges constantly. It used to be that Adam was very, very distant from it by doing mitzvahs and not giving in to the Averas. The clippers just automatically died. Now we still have to do the same thing. We have to do mitzvahs and not give in to Averas, but the clipper is in our face. And it's very powerful because it feeds off of all the sins, right? It feeds off of our godly energy when it's mistranslated. And then it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. Its power of persuasion to tell us I am real becomes more and more and more. And so what happens when we do surmera, what happens when we say, even for one minute, by the way, surmera doesn't have to be I never sin. It could be I really, really, really want to watch a movie right now. I really want to watch a movie and I am going to first say Krishna, and then I'm going to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. What are you doing when? What are you doing when you do that? You're still going to watch the movie. What are you doing when you do that? You're elevating. How? By prioritizing the I'm done. Why? What if you even say, "I'm not going to say Shema. I'm going to sit on my bed. I'm going to do nothing for ten minutes, and then I'm going to watch the movie." What are you doing? No mitzvah there. You're like denying the importance. I guess you're, you're feeding into the klipa. You're the you're denying the importance and the urgency. What did you say? You're feeding into the klipa. You're okay. feeding into the klipa when you sit on your bed and do nothing. For 10 minutes? You could be doing a mitzvah, which would be resting your body, shattering the klipa. Okay. When you're sitting and doing nothing, like it's just the klipa still there. There's nothing. Okay. What I would argue is that in those ten minutes, you're actually doing the mitzvah of Sormeira, right? Because you, okay, I'm using a movie which, which yeah. I guess people can uh, debate, but let's say a really inappropriate movie, okay? Which we can all probably agree is, is Gimel Kripot You can't go and elevate that by watching it, okay? Mm. Sorry to break it to you. Um, so, so there's this movie you really want to watch. You heard about it. It sounds amazing. You know it's just totally not representing the lifestyle you live. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm going to sit from my bed for ten minutes and I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to first do something else, or I'm first going to clean my room. What's happening in that moment? As of you've said, we are saying, I don't fully believe in your persuasion. Mm-hmm. There is something else that exists outside of you. And that is God. Why am I sitting on my bed for 10 minutes? Because I know that, I, that God doesn't, let's say, want me to do the movie, watch this movie, and I'm going to wait we are acknowledging the existence of God, which is acknowledging the truth. And we are saying, you are not so powerful that I have to do this right now. I'm going to do it later. So we break the klipa in that moment. Okay, when we go and we watch it, we're giving, we're giving power to it again. But in those moments where we say no, 
even if it's temporary, every moment, every time we say no, we're breaking the klipa because we're saying, I don't believe your lie. I don't, I'm not giving into your convincing. Your persuasion has not overcome me totally that I forgot the truth of Hashem. And that's what happens every single time we do Surmeira. We break the klipa. We break the klipa that we're not able to actually directly engage with. By not engaging with it, we break it. There's a story that the ultra, the Rebbe Rashab once said to his only son, the Frida Rebbe, the previous Rebbe. He said to him, what happens, I might have told you the story, what happens if you're standing in front of a brick wall? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to get through the brick wall? You can't climb. No, there's no way to climb over it. How? So this is what the, he said, this is what Messiris Nefesh is. What's Messiris Nefesh? There's a wall in front of you. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You take your head and you bash it against the wall until it breaks. Jeez. You're dying. Then I kill you. <laughs> okay, so, so this, is, this is actually used more, this story, to emphasize the idea of what's called the Nisayon, which is a challenge that's mm. impossible to break unless you just go through it. The only way to overcome that challenge is to literally get through it, to face it and go through it and get through it. But there's a similar element here because the moment you say, I'm going to bash my head against this wall, you're saying this wall doesn't exist. Why would anybody bash their head against a wall? You're saying there's something in me that's more powerful than this wall. And I believe that. And by me believing that truly to the point that I'm going to bash my head against the wall, the wall disappears. We saw this with the story of Avram, that when he was going to the Akeda, what did the Satan do? He put an entire ocean in front of him. And Avram said, I'm, not, I'm going to do what Hashem told me to do. You can do your tricks. And he walked straight through to the point he was about to drown and it disappeared. It disappeared. So when we don't give in to the lies that the Klippa is telling us, the Klippa ceases to exist because all it is is that lie. All it is is that power to convince you that it's true and that it's important and that it's necessary and that it's desirable. And the moment we say, well, I actually, there's God also. Like, I'm not forgetting here that there's God and I'm not going to give in in this moment or I'm not going to give in at all. It disappears, it breaks. And then the truth and the spark gets extracted and goes up. <coughs> and then, yeah. Um, sorry, I'll wait to finish I was going on to the next idea, okay. so. Um, you were saying that Klippa um, feeds off of like your God is only convincing and getting it. How, how does it, like, how does it sustain itself on the, like the energy of your, or like on your godly soul instead of its source, which is Hashem, or is it like? That's a good question. Um, it, it says that Hashem gives, give li- gives life to these Klippas from the, what's called Achorayim, from his back, in like a backhanded way. So they have a very, very limited lifespan. And they, if, if they don't get more energy, they're just gonna, they're gonna live themselves out. They're gonna <coughs> die just by existing, bless you. Because the amount of light that exists within them is so tiny and so covered over that it's not enough to sustain them long term. So the Klippas are constantly looking for more energy. And that's why we're so careful with the whole concept of Toma and Tara, for example, purity and impurity, because the moment something that was a vessel that contained light and that light left, the clip is going to feed, going to go there and try and feed off all the remnants of that light and become stronger and more powerful, which is why we're so careful about, about um, you know, not touching d- things that are dead, etc., because they had such powerful light 
and that light left, which means that the clipper is there. That's what the clipper is looking for. So the clipper is looking for us, which we are full of life. We are a godly soul. We are pulsating with life to just give a little bit of that life to it. So it's built up this whole persona of convincing us that we need to give ourselves in that. Because the moment, the Tanya explains, the moment that we give into a sin, our entire being in that moment is wrapped up in that sin. And so the clipper is able to feed off of the godliness that exists within us and become stronger and more powerful, which become, makes it become harder the next time that we confront it as well. Um, but yeah, so the, the clipper is basically almost like, it, it's created and exists like on a ticking time bomb. That if it doesn't, and that's really how it was at the beginning, that there were three hours, right? There were tons of clippers in the basement and there was Adam, and if he just didn't feed the clipper for those three hours, they would all die and Mashiach would come. But because they, they have a very, very limited lifespan, right? But if you, if, they, if you feed them, which we end up doing, right, or we create um, openings and spaces where it can come through, it becomes stronger and it can live longer and its power of persuasion becomes even more and more and more convincing for us. So is the clipper that exists today, like clipper that's lasted for like thousands of years because it was created originally or is it still being created today? I don't know. That's a very good question. I don't know. Is it the same clipper then? Um, I don't know exactly, but we we're, we've had many, many, many thousands of years of people abstaining from you know from doing things, and every time they did that, there were clippers that died, which means that there are probably new clippers that are being. We also create new clippers all the time too, based on what we're doing and our actions. <coughs> yeah, we create clippers when we give in. We create more. We create negative forces every single time we do something negative. And then that negative force comes. That's why the idea of Avera, Guerreras, Avera, have you heard this idea? Mitzvah, Guerreras, Mitzvah. One mitzvah leads to another, and one sin leads to another. Because the moment you do a sin, you create more clipper that then comes to, and has even more power of you to convince you to do, an, to do the next sin and to do the next one. So that's the idea of Sumerai, which is something that I, this topic is something very exciting for me because as a kid, I never understood it. Like, people would say like, you're doing such a great thing by not doing this. And it's like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm literally, that, that's the whole point. Like, I'm not doing anything. What's so great about that? What's being accomplished and achieved by me doing nothing? And the answer is, you're not giving that thing life. Mm. And when you do that, it literally disappears. And there's a very interesting part of Tanya where the Altar Rebbe says, no, you can't become a tzaddik. You can't get rid of your desires. But if you continuously, continuously don't give into one specific klipa, one specific desire over and over and over and over again, that desire is going to stop chasing you. And you'll become a bainani in that area of that specific desire. A new desire is going to pop up, right? Because we're not tzaddikim. But you, become, you can become a tzaddik in one tiny area because you can literally break that klipa, that temptation's power over you. you can have the a more you say no. no. You can have a tzaddik moment. You can have a tzaddik moment in one specific area if you say no enough times. So when we say no, very, very powerful things are happening. And based on what's going on spiritually, there's stuff happening as well. Again, the lights have become diluted and contracted and concealed so that they can fit into the vessels. And the vessels have become even more powerful and strong in this world. And every moment that we don't give into Klippa, Klippa comes from the vessels. The concealment, that which covers over the light. The moment we say, I am not giving in to you, and it ceases to be, excuse me, we are chipping away at the layers of the vessels to the point that ultimately those vessels will no longer conceal the light but become a channel for the light. 
So right now, the vessel contains the light, but while it contains, which isn't very necessary and important, and we need the vessels as much as we need the light, but while it contains light, it also covers it over. And the more we chip away at the concealment of the vessels by saying, I don't believe you, I believe in God, I'm not giving in to you, I'm going to think about God, I'm not giving in to you right now because there's a part of me that acknowledges that Hashem is real, even though he's the furthest thing from what I see right now, and you look like the most real thing ever right in front of me, we chip away at the vessels. We chip away at the concealment aspect of the vessels to the point that the light can shine into the vessels and the vessels just become a conduit and a channel for the light, not something that covers it over. And so more and more and more light can shine into our own souls and can shine into the whole world. That's what happens when we do Sarmela. Okay? And Asay Tov, we're going to discuss tomorrow, on Sunday, right? Sunday we have class? Why do I feel like something happening on Sunday? Oh, okay. Not something else. So what happens with Asay Tov, we'll discuss on Sunday. But are we clear with Sarmela? Yeah. So what the Mimer only speaks about is the last, last, last thing I said. Everything else was an introduction to that. What happens when we don't give in to the Kippah? What happens when we do Surmera, when we have a virus in front of us and we don't give in to them? We take these vessels that are not only channeling and containing the light, but are also concealing it, and we chip away at the concealment. We chip away at it each and every time we do Surmera. Each and every time we don't give in to a Kippah, it dies and the concealment leaves the vessel. Okay. Um, how do we how do we have the power to create something like especially like creating klipa? How do we have the power to create klipa? <coughs> I guess it's the same question of how do we have the power to create angels, right? Have you had that idea that every single time we we pray, we create we create angels? So so there's an idea of that as well, that every single action that we do down here has spiritual implications, either positive or negative. And so we can create positive angels if we're doing positive things and angels that are maimed and weak and broken if we're doing negative things. So it's the same question of, I don't know. How do we have the power to do that? I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that, like exactly what the process is, how it looks. Also, why does Hashem give us that power? Why does Hashem give us that power? Hashem, Hashem depends everything on us. No, he gives sure. us all the power. <laughs> like, you can either fulfill my entire reason for creating this universe, or you cannot. Like, yeah. how much more power can we have? Yeah. It's a responsibility, right? Um, but that he puts that onto every single human being. And that's part of the responsibility we got, too, from Adam and Chava when they ate from the eighth of that. It, it made the task a lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. It was, the same, it was the same goal of do mitzvahs, don't do averis, make the clippers die, mm-hmm. bring the lights down, Shiach will come. We're doing the same thing Just with a lot more adversity. Okay. We're confronting a lot more challenges than we were, we were initially supposed to. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, think she's <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> she's very hungry. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll feed her now. Mm-hmm.